This is gonna be fantastic. What is up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors, here with my good friend, Ambrose Coleman. This is the Athlete Factors Thanksgiving special. And I have a feeling it's going to be <laughs> very special. Hey, listen, listen. He can hardly contain himself right now. Okay, so. It's going to uh, be great. It may be a bumpy ride initially, but then it'll smooth out. So just, just hang in there. Hang in there. You're gonna, you're gonna be glad you did. You're gonna appreciate it. So, because it's a special, and because it will be special, uh, we got some questions sent in. Uh, sorry, we've got some callers waiting to uh, to get live with us here to ask their unique questions. We've got some high school athletes, we've got some adult athletes, we've got some coaches, um, kind of a, a nice mix. And then you have some, you know, kind of questions or not questions, but some things you want to cover as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Going, going into not only uh, Thanksgiving, this is actually going to come out after Thanksgiving, so sorry, but uh, for, the, for the holidays, yeah, I mean, if people don't have Thanksgiving on Thursday, then it'll be right on time. Actually, that is true. You know, Thanksgiving no longer happens only on Thanksgiving Day. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, but it's really good info leading into Christmas, the new year, and holidays going forward. Some good nutrition advice. Very sound. Yeah. So, should we start with that or should we keep the collars waiting? Uh, let's... Hold on, let me continue and put them on pause. Go ahead and keep them waiting. <laughs> All right, so uh, the whole idea of, of ingesting an excessive amount of calories during the holiday season, like, I, I get it. Like, everybody wants to eat as much food as they can because it's delicious, it's made with love, but uh, that tends to come with some potentially weight enhancing effects let's say <laughs> so some interesting data came out fairly recently showing that the amount of calories that people think they're ingesting on a holiday varies somewhere between four to five thousand that's what they think they're getting the truth of the matter is you're probably only ingesting about a thousand calories over your maintenance level part of that is because you're probably not having a like breakfast or a heavy breakfast mm. because you're trying to save room for that you right. know, one big right. meal. So even if you are, you know, picking out and then having dessert, you're probably only getting uh, 25 to 3,500 calories in a sitting. Yeah. So, it's so psychological. Yeah, for right. sure. And then, you know, sometimes though, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about what you were saying about only getting a thousand calories over is, I could see that. I never thought about it until you mentioned that, but I, I can see that being a reality because you know how like sometimes you're like, all right, on your birthday when we go to Texas Day Brazil, mm -hmm. you're like, hey man, I'm not eating all day Saving so up. that I can just save room and you know go hard, you mm -hmm. know, when it's come time for our reservation. Take full advantage. Yeah, full advantage. And then, you know, you eat those first few plates and then you're like, oh man, I'm stuck. But you haven't really eaten much all day. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, 
it essentially evens out because you're still getting roughly close to your total calorie need for the day. Mm. So, but the thing is, even if you go over, uh, the easiest way to stay on track if you are trying to stick relatively close to maintenance, and whether that means physically tracking your calories or going through more of an intuitive eating strategy, um, eat a little bit less on the days leading up to the holiday meal, or on the back end, just eat a little bit less on the following days. And if you're only a thousand calories over, um, it's, it's not that difficult to cut out, you know, 330 calories the three days after Thanksgiving, right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come Monday morning, you're going to weigh exactly the same as you did the previous Monday before Thanksgiving. So, um, enjoy the holiday, eat what you want, spend time with your friends and family, have a good time. Um, but go into it with a, a little bit of a strategy, try to go into it with maybe a little calorie deficit, doesn't have to be huge. And then if you don't do that, then on the back end, just uh, come in a little under a few days and no need to throw in the towel and say, all right, I've screwed up. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do this anymore. Like keep on, keep on working. Right. One or two bad days of eating is not going to throw the whole thing. For sure. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. For sure. One, it happens. Thanksgiving happens one time a year. Mm -hmm. So just, yeah, let it rip. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. So that's essentially that. And, uh, yeah. Are we ready for our first caller? Oh yeah. Okay. Great. Great. All right. Let's, um, let's, so let's get them on the line. Okay. All right. Cool. Call, call number one. Are, are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here, and I have some really, really good questions to ask. Excellent. Go, go for it. Okay. Uh, my name is Andy. And hey, Andy. That, hey, how are you? And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm a 60-year-old triathlete, mm. currently rocking neck hardware, well, in the form of a brace. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a long story, too long to go into detail right now. Gotcha. We'll, we'll have to share it later. Okay. Okay. What's your question, sir? Uh, my first question is, um, how long have you two been dating? <laughs> well, uh, thank you for that question. You know what? Go ahead and ask all your questions because uh, I want to hang up the phone on you after that. <laughs> we'll, we'll answer that, but what are your other questions? All right. All right. So, um, is there a magic number for time and periodization phase, or is there is there a random better? Mm. Okay, that's a good question. And what's the last one? Oh, you you want to know all my questions, right? Yeah, I just, I just oh, want, to, okay. want to know all, right, all, cool. all right, what are the signs an athlete is ready to move to a higher level in progression? Mm. And wait for it. I have one more brilliant question because okay. I am a brilliant man. True. Yeah. Um, when and how do you tell an athlete the current goal or goals are unrealistic, either too high or too low? Awesome. Well, Andy, thank you for the call. Click. <laughs> All right. So I think what he meant with regards to the first question is when did Ambrose and I start working together? So that's how I'm going to answer the question. I moved down here the summer of 2012 specifically to work with Ambrose. So uh, I'd say our relationship started then. Would yeah, you agree? I would agree. 
So we had we had a little bit of a a phone relationship before then. Yeah, yeah, we had a phone courtship. We were courting each other, you know, filling each other out on the wise, right? Yeah, professionally. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. What was the next question? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, how long have you two been there? No, no, no. When, when, let's start with this one. When and how do you tell an athlete that their current goal or goals are either too high or too low? Gotcha. So, a little bit of that I think is subjective just because we can't fully know what anyone's potential is. Um, but when you've worked with an athlete for a little while, when you've seen what they're capable of, when you see how hard they're willing to work, I think you can kind of get a, a general idea of, of what they're capable of. And then from there, you know, you plan out their goals accordingly. So um, I, I like when people pick lofty goals to go for something that uh, most other people assume that they just can't achieve. Like I like when people are like, no, like I'm, you know, there can only be one person who wins state, and I, I want to be that one person. Like, the thing is, like my coach, my running coach in college said, there can only be one person who finishes first. So everybody else after that, sorry, but your goal should be to finish first, right? So, um, yeah, that's a tough one. What do you, what do you think, coach? Um, I, I think with a goal, an athlete that has a very, very high lofty goal, as you said, um, I think, boy, that's a good client right there. Yeah. Right? Yep. Because, because that, that client is, it's full of motivation. Their motivation factor is high. Mm -hmm. And, and so I would rather have an athlete that is highly motivated and that I have to you know, kind of, you know, course correct than to have someone I have to get, you know, spur, you know, spur them and say, hey, let's get going, right? Trying like, to motivate somebody yeah. every training session. Is... Yeah, it, it's a beat, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, now obviously you can add whatever motivation you need to and your motivation levels are different, but when you have to uh, say, hey, let's show, you know, showing up today, hey, don't be late, you know, mm -hmm. just all these little side factors. Yeah. I, I think that that's, that's one that you, you know, you're like, man, I would rather just kick them. Yeah. But, 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 you know, an athlete that has high goals, you know that they're highly driven and you can work with that a lot better. Uh, now, I do think that there are a lot of, um, um, there could be a lot of room for, uh, you have to be very strict and very clear about what you want them to accomplish. Mm -hmm. I do think there's a lot of subjectivity there. So, like, you're very subjective because, like you said, you really don't know the limits of the boundaries that that athlete has. And because you, you can't measure heart, you can't measure determination, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these things. But I think now it's easier compared to where it used to be, say, 10 to 15 to 20 years ago, mm -hmm. because we, we can collect data on athletes. So yeah. we can start to create baselines, then start to project, you know, target zones for them or training um, numbers. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit easier in that regard um, for us. But 
ideally though, you just, you don't know that that limit is. So I think for us, our goal is to always try to push them beyond where they think they can go anyway. For sure. You know, in, in most senses. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, if you're not picking lofty goals, then, I mean, I joke around with some of the, some of the people I train and I ask them like, are you an athlete or are you a half lead? Like, are you, right. are you, you know, are you trying to go for it or are you right. okay just being me mediocre? And if that's, if you don't have lofty goals, that's fine. Don't try to achieve something lofty. But like you said, it's not as fun to work with people who are like, uh, you know, you, you motivate me to do something I'm like, well, that I can't, like, I can't do that for you. I can help you reach whatever goals you have. And hopefully you're picking something that's uh, that perhaps seems impossible. Right. But right. if you're taking incremental steps and progressing towards that, maybe you won't reach it. But you'll probably surprise yourself with how good you can be or or uh, or what goals you do check off on the way. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know we talk to you know youth athletes about this all the time. It's, you know, and and some of these interns that come in and they're talking about, oh, hey, I want to be, well, I don't know what I want to be. I think I just want to be a strength coach, right? And so, you know, but I also kind of maybe wanted to be a physical therapist or, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they don't quite know where they want to go. And so I always tell them, I'm like, hey, listen, you know, I'll just go for the highest mark. And then you can, you can always step down so to speak and I don't mean that in the sense of hey the you know that if you have you know just your undergrad or you're just a strength and conditioning coach with a graduate degree that you're somehow less than say with a DPT or you know something like that I'm not saying that yeah. all I'm saying is aim high as you can mm -hmm. and then you you know you may get there or close to it and figure out hey no this is really where I want to be because when you're 17, 18, 19, it's very difficult to figure out like what you really want to do for the rest of your, your life. For sure. You know? And yeah. so if you're, my, I guess my logic for that is if you're aiming high, right? If, if either you're going to get it or you won't get it, but you'll be much higher than what you're initially, you know, thought of just being this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You'll have better tools. Yeah. You'll be better educated and prepared and more experience to change course. Correct. Point, so. and, and it's so much easier to stay in school than to, you know, get your undergrad and then stop for two years and then start back up and then mm -hmm. like, oh no, man, now I need to go get my, you know, and, and it's, I just think that it's, it's, if it's possible, then, you know, go through like a continuum instead of just saying, hey, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna break it up into chunks. I'm gonna get out and start making money. Yeah. You know, and, and, and nine times out of ten, what will happen is either you will get you will get stuck doing something that you really don't want to do or you'll get out of the field because you're frustrated by what you can't do currently. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's 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 kind of a it's a, it can get tricky at that point. For sure. I think so. Hope that uh, answers that part of your question, Andy. Yeah. And, and, and well, I guess we didn't talk about it here. Well, I guess we did. I mean, that that's that pretty much covers it, though. Yeah. I think I think you know, as just a point of unrealistic, I think that most of the time, um, 
we do not aim high enough, mm -hmm. I think. So even if it seems like it's it's a big a BHAG, like a big, hairy, audacious goal, yeah. right? That is really effective to have. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that most of the time we, we don't suffer with unrealistic type goals. Um, I think we we suffer from not aiming high enough. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I would say. Yeah, um, that, that reminds me of one thing. When I was in high school and I was like on the high school track team and we would we were doing preseason stuff we were running upstairs in the school we didn't have a track so we either we had to bus to a local college and do our training there or we just did it there at the school which was on you know concrete floored hallways and running up and down stairs and um i remember like all right like whatever whatever the coach has me do whatever the workout is like everybody's doing that like that's not going to be enough for me mm. like so when we finished it was like okay coach can i do another and there were times where he would say yeah sure like how many more can you do like let's see right. there were other times where he was like no you're done and i was like i never really understood that but um now i understand right you know but right. at the time i remember you know if it was like five or six reps you know, and I was like, all right, I'll, you know, can I do another one? Can I do another one? Can I do another one? And then as long as I can maintain my speed, he was like, yeah, let's get some more. Let's get some more in. And then I remember a couple guys saying, like, one guy in particular, he was like, man, Kevin, you're such an overachiever. Like, you're making this all look bad. Like, why don't you quit that? And I was like, I thought about that. And I was like, so you, you don't want me to train more because, like, nobody's telling you not to. Nobody's telling you you have to do more. Like, and nobody's telling you like you didn't do a good job. Like, and I thought about that a lot, and I was like, okay, am I am I an overachiever, or am I just trying to be an achiever? Like, I don't think there was like an over aspect to it. I was just like, no, like I need to do more. I can do more. So I think um, knowing whether your athletes can do more might help you determine, you know, if their goals are are appropriate for them. Well, I think you, you kind of touched on a couple things there because, I mean, you know, part of uh, Andy's questions was that, you know, unrealistic type goals, but periodization and then also when is it time to progress yeah. an athlete to, you know, their next phase. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think you... Yeah, we transition into that part. So Yeah, because, I mean, that, that that's actually, that's kind of a periodization, yeah. you know, when your coach said, "Hey, listen, Segway. yeah, can you can you do more? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, cool. How many can you do? Yeah. Right? There's an interplay between coach and athlete, which is actually how it. I mean, it, there's still a lot of that that needs to be involved in the training today. Mm -hmm. But I think initially, that's really what coaching was about was that two way communication. For sure. No, I totally agree. So yeah, with regards to periodization, like, should it be random or should is there a specific number? Like, it depends. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's the best answer. Like, <laughs> depends on your goal. It depends on which variables you're setting up your periodization around. Like, are you focusing on, like, building strength, building power, building speed, building endurance? Like, uh, so I think it, it depends on all of those things. But then, like you said, like, how is the communication between the coach right. and the athlete? Like, that's going to determine. Yeah. I think I think one of the things I want to get back to that, but I think you you really touched on something that's really important that I think gets left out of 
trading uh, manuscripts all the time. And that's the relationship factor, mm -hmm. you know, between coach and athlete. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, knowing that the, the, the way you start to know more about your athlete is when you start to know and relate to your athlete, mm -hmm. you know? And so that that's the, and the more they trust you, the more they're willing to do things that may not seem like it's a logical step or yeah. you're, you're saying, hey, turn your foot this way instead of that way, mm -hmm. you know, or do the lift this way, you know, hey, you need to recover when everything in their, in their, in their, in their mind says, hey, no, I need to run more, yep. you know, and yep. so I think that when that trust factor is there, then it becomes a lot smoother to lay out, you know, the, the, the variables training. For sure. Yeah. The other thing, and this is a little bit of an aside, but I think uh, this was probably about 10 years ago when this study came out, but it was a comparison of, of sedent more sedentary individuals. In other words, people who weren't training intensely for a specific competitive goal, let's say. They weren't athletes. Um, and they put them through a periodized resistance training program and a more randomized training program and the results were exactly the same so uh at the end of the day i think like you can't do worse having solid programming you know like if, if you're just going into the gym and doing whatever you want like well that's better than not going to the gym but going into the gym with a plan it's like that's not going to be worse than going into the gym without a plan so right. if you <laughs> right. if you can do something periodized periodized and programmed like you're probably going to be best. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think, too, is that, uh, man, I, you know, I, I agree with that. I, I feel like that it, it, I think what differentiates it for people or from athlete to athlete, because I think it is from athlete to athlete. I think ideally, if you say, hey, I want to create adaptation, I can create adaptation by getting someone to follow a systemized plan. Mm -hmm. So what I think that has to happen first is neurologically, there has to be some accommodation to, to get off that random, because I, I think we're all on the random uh, model anyway, from mm -hmm. a neurological set, standpoint. And so to get off that neurological model, you have to have neurological accommodation to say, Hey, you're kind of like universally, generally, you know, adapting. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to feed you a specific dosage of neurological stimuli. Mm. Okay. Once you adapt to this and it's consistent, then you will start to formulate an up regulation to adaptation based on that type of strategy. Mm -hmm. Now, if you give them, they're already on a random, you know, uh, function mode, which is what I believe most people are on anyway, and you put them on to a, um, uh, a higher degree and a higher density of randomized training, mm -hmm. okay, then they're going to create that adaptation to that stimuli as well. Gotcha. Right? Because, I mean, you think about it, it's like most of your training, let's take a running program, for instance. You, you know, you're training for, you know, 24 to 28 weeks, 26 weeks, somewhere in there. If you're training for a marathon, let's just say, 
Okay, so that first year that you adapt, and then the, the third year that you adapt to those training pro programs and training runs are gonna be completely different in that third year because your neurological system had to build up a tolerance level to a couple of variables, but once it got on that, that, that routine, that periodization, uh, when we start in, you know, say April, May, and you run around to December, boom, this is, this is what it's going to be like. It starts to get used to that and it respond to that. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you were running inconsistently, it will adapt to that too, right? Because yeah. it's, it's a highly adaptive system. So it'll adapt to anything you give it on a consistent basis. If it's structured, highly structured, with good density or randomized with good density. Mm -hmm. And I know that's probably not a question, uh, answer that most people would want to know. Yeah. Um, they want to, you know, but it, that's a very complex question. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I think that's, that's a more. Yeah. That's the body has to adapt. Like yeah. it, it can't, it will, it will progress or regress, but even regression is an adaptation to be more efficient to what you're stressing the body. So, it's it's constantly adapting. Yeah, absolutely. You can't not. So, um, yeah. And actually, the problem happens when it, it no longer can adapt, mm. right? Mm -hmm. That's that's when we start to have problems. It mm -hmm. starts to break down. Your immune system can no longer adapt. Yes. You know, your digestive system can no longer adapt. Yep. You know, they, your emotional system can no longer adapt, right? Yeah. And then 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 we start to have dis ease, mm. right? So, yeah. yeah. Shoot. Well, do we, do we have any more callers on the line? Oh, we have oh lines of, are full. Yeah, we have plenty of callers Lines there. are full. But Keep Andy it. did a good job, oh, though. Okay. Excellent right, start, so, Andy. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> 60. 60. Oh, Big 6 -0. Get that 6 -0. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Trey, so. Trey, oh. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. It sounds right in it's my mind. Good. Okay, cool. All right, so we got Jay. Jay. Yeah. Say less. Say less. Hashtag say less. Jay. And Tupac is still alive, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Yes. High school athlete. Yep. What's Jay have to say? Jay asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> what make you really coach? Mm. Okay. And do you love it as much as you say? <laughs> these are these are questions. That's a, that's a brilliant question, man. These are questions I wish someone had asked, uh, or questions I wish I had asked to strength coaches early on in my career. Uh huh. Because that would have been very useful information. Thank mm -hmm. you, sir. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to uh, to mention it, but for. For those of you who can see this, just wanted to remind y'all, this is a classic. This is this is OG. Yeah, uh, that those, really is. For those who can't see it, I just want you guys to know that I am MF Strong. Mm. Hey man, that, you can't buy those. You you cannot. They're they're out of print. Yeah. Yeah. They're. Yeah, they're on. That's a collector's item. Yeah, it's a collector's yeah. item. That's what it is. Yeah. So. Uh, yes, please. Ice me. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> so what makes, what makes me coach? Like, 
Yeah, what makes, I, I think what he's really asking is what makes you want to coach? Okay, yeah. Okay. So. And, and? And do I actually believe that? <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you do create the answer, do you really believe that? Do I mean it? Yeah, do you mean it? That's a good question. So, That's a very good question. I think at the end of the day, I love teaching, but I don't like being so tied to the classroom and tied to a textbook. Um, Actually, that's not entirely accurate. You know what you don't like? Tell me. Administration. That's what I meant. That's exactly right. <laughs> I don't like having a boss. Yeah, yeah you don't. Why would like, you? I don't know. No. Plenty you of know, people like and, that. And, and the regulation by the state, by this, yeah. by, you know, yeah. someone else's um, ideology to say, hey, you shouldn't do it this way. We want to make sure everybody does it this way. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's definitely true. So I love coaching because I love being able to interact with people. That's in a way that's not just, uh, hey, can you email this person? Hey, can you get me this? Hey, can you do this job so I can do my job? Like, I like being able to interact at a level where I know what's going on with somebody in their personal life, but then I also know what their goals are, and then I can help them progress towards those goals. So um, do I love it as much as I say I do? Okay, there's, there's a few things that I don't love. Okay. I don't love waking up at 4.30. I don't love that. But this morning and on Monday, so two days ago and then today, I had all in my office, all at once, four or five clients at between 5.30 and 6.30, basically. I love that. And they all love it, too. So, right. like, that makes it so fun. Like, But as far as, like, waking up at 4.30, I rarely hit the snooze and, like, ugh. Like, I hate this. Like, I just... Is it this time of year or is it just the time? It wouldn't matter what that time. That rarely of year. happens. Oh, okay. I, I don't even like. I just my alarm goes off. I get up and I just I get up and go to work. Like it's it's normal now. It's not. Right. Like, but initially. Um, and yeah, and there's still times where I'm like, man, I wish I could still be asleep right now. Right. But like that's the only thing. Like I love every other aspect. You, you know, the, the two things that I would say that I um, dislike about, you know, um, part of it is, or, or this part of our field is, um, I don't necessarily love the fact of, of running a business and collecting finances and talking about yeah. money. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> either you want this or you don't, right? Yeah. Like, and here's what it costs, and let's just be done with it, right? Yeah. Um, that part of it I don't like. I've had to really mature and grow into that. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but it's it's that's not the fun part of it, right? Yeah. Um, not not that there's anything wrong with that, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm I'm just not wired that way. Like I yeah. really just I want to. I don't like talking money. Yeah, I want to talk science. I don't yeah. want to talk money, right? And finances yeah. and yep. you know that kind of stuff. But I mean, if we don't do it, then you know, 
You don't stay in business. You don't stay in business. That's exactly <laughs> then it. You can't talk science. And then, then you can't talk science, right? <laughs> exactly. And then you will have administration. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's that's what that is. And then I think the the other thing that I um, really don't like, I, I would say, uh, not the hours. It's just the time frame of. Mm. It would be nice to, you know, the the perfect magical unicorn day for me would be to wake up at five, read for an hour, go work out, come eat breakfast, start seeing clients. Mm. Right? Yeah, so I don't so yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I don't necessarily mind getting up early yeah. even if it was at four, you know, for me. Yeah. Right. Um but what I don't like is the fact that uh, for me, is that I have to start work so early, and if I if I uh, if I had my choice, mm -hmm. then I wouldn't start work so early. I hear you. Yeah. So I, I waking I up early is not it, but yeah. starting work early. Right. Because yeah. I would love. Because you know what I love about being up so early is that no Nobody one else is up that early, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so quiet. It's yeah. so serene, and so like I can I can really just. I'm an introvert, so I can, yeah. you know, totally be to myself at that time. But focus on yeah, whatever you got. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. Yeah, so that's, I that's it. That. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. But I, I will say this uh, for Jay that you know, if, well, obviously you have seen Kevin Coach, and you know. But if if someone else that watching this and you haven't seen Kevin Coach, he really does you know, give a damn about what he does and he's very passionate about it. And so it is, he is very relational, very outgoing. And so he does relate to the athletes. They, if, if Kevin is not here, they're like, oh man, we got gross. <laughs> uh, where's Kevin? <laughs> How do you? And he's not here. Okay. Yeah, he sees not here. Where is he? <laughs> well, Call him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get out of here. Yeah, so so he he does have a different approach, <laughs> and I think that that's important. You know, like you know, you can't have everyone. You don't need to have everyone on your team that coach the way you do, right? Like, I mean, it's just you know, and so yeah, so obviously he he does, you know, really love it, love it. I think but so. but I think though the reason the motivation behind that question is very legit. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of coaches in any setting, from the gym, to the clinic, to the school, to club, that do not love it like they say they do. Yeah. We, we know that. Yeah, oh yeah. And they're ruining athletes' lives. In their own. Well, actually, you know, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it makes you bitter and resentful and, you know, that sucks. Yeah, it so. does. I think that that's something that I, you know, my my mandate is uh, kind of like the personal challenge is that, you know, I think I want to preserve the things that that are really really impactful for our field and then progress those things that are not mm -hmm. having much impact and that is one thing that I I would love to have more for mm -hmm. us to have. I would love to leave it in some small way better than what you know I found it personally. Sure. Okay. You know. And so trying to help getting the, get those coaches, you know, to see that, like, man, listen, if, if it's, 
it's not working for you. No one's going to fault you, man. But, like, you're going to hurt yourself, like you said. And also, you're going to hurt the athletes that, that you're serving and yeah. our clientele that you're serving. Yeah, it leaves a bitter taste in their mouth. And yeah. There's already enough bad sport coaches. For sure. Like, I think we've all had experiences with that. Absolutely. And bad experiences with, you know, less than invested strength coaches or right. physical therapists, whatever the case may be, kinesiologists. Yeah. So, yeah, like... Do the things you got to do in your personal life to make sure that you can show up and be present. And so, 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 do you think that it it really is about passion? For some, you, for some people. Okay. I, I think I cut you off. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say for for some individuals, I think like uh, they they hit the lottery and they get to do exactly what they want to do. And other people, mm -hmm. it's like, hey, you can you can still uh, influence all of your patients or clients positively, even if you don't love what you're doing 100%. So, I mean, there's plenty of people who don't enjoy their job, but still do a good job, yeah. right? And they still understand like, hey, if I don't, if I don't do this well, then that affects my family, that affects my personal life, that affects my relationships. Yada yada. So for some people, um, I consider myself one of one of those. Like I, I feel like I hit the jackpot. Like, right. You know, like I, I get to do, I get to hang out with people that I enjoy, for the most part, and I get to do. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, there's a client where you're just like, all right, this is my job. For everyone else, it's like, all right, this is awesome. You know what I mean? So, uh, but even then, I'm like, all right remember since you don't have a, a ton of them yeah it's very few that's yeah. that's what's so nice like there's very few where I'm like oh I, w I wish I was sitting in a cubicle at a, at a desk like no, I never have that feeling so I consider myself blessed did Camden 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 stress you Camden I don't remember who that is yeah okay um. <laughs> What's the next question? Brady's friend. No, 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 no. <laughs> Brady's friend. Two or three summers ago. It, no, it was three summers ago. And, uh, and you know what? We're going to handle this. You got this. a short memory. We're, I bet you do. <laughs> I bet it's probably about three in that short memory. Uh, yeah. Okay, next question. I, I honestly, I'm drawing a blank. That's okay. I'm going to remind you. Okay. When we eat dinner, I'm going to remind you. <laughs> Next caller, what's your question? Um, Luke. Luke, Coach Luke. Hi, Luke. Luke's been a guest on the podcast. Has he been a guest on your podcast, Coach? Not yet. We're we're getting ready to uh, do one. Awesome. Look forward to to listening to that one. Yeah, yeah. Luke is super sharp. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. So Luke, Luke has two two zingers. Alrighty. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So number one. Um, how do you bridge the gap between strength, school strength training and individualized private strength training? Mm. How do you bridge the gap? That's, that's a tough one. So probably in an ideal world, there wouldn't be a gap. Hold on a second. Let's, let's just rip the, let's just address the elephant in the room. Just, just go straight head on. 
bust through the barriers <laughs> on it and, and just just go through it. Ah, uh, shoot, coach. What, okay, what are your dislikes and what are your likes? With school strength and conditioning programs. All right, let's let's do it this way. Just 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 highlight what you think. Three points: school training, strength strength and conditioning training embodies. Okay, it's cookie cutter. For for one, there's absolutely no variation at all, individual variation. So, the issue I the, the primary issue I have with that is that everyone, even if you're playing the same sports, even if you're playing the same position, even if you have the same uh, seemingly mechanics, like everybody's movement patterns are different. Everybody's uh, the, what they're doing, their, the other 22 hours of the day that they're not at practice is going to be different, and uh, what they're doing on the weekends is different when they're not playing sports. And all that to say, you have to have individualized training in order for each individual athlete to reach closer to their potential. So that's that's the primary problem I have. The second problem I have is the focus of the high school strength and condition. Like what's what's the outcome? Either there is no predetermined outcome where it's just like everybody lifts and you just do the lift and it's like, okay, well what's what's the ultimate goal? What are we trying to achieve here? Are we trying to achieve increased power output? Are we trying to increase just overall strength? And if that's the case, like there's a lot of data that show, that that shows just because you're stronger doesn't mean there's any translation at all to athletic performance benefit or reduced risk of certain injuries. So what's the goal? Like, what are you going for here? That's, those are the two biggest issues I have that I would consider, you know, the... And so... Go on. <laughs> Ball's in your court. So, um, and then how do you classify private strength and conditioning, individualized private strength and conditioning? Okay, well that's, that's not clear cut necessarily either. So there's so much variation in what you can get with a personal trainer, a strength coach, an athletic performance coach, a speed coach, an agility coach, anything and everything in between. So, um... Hopefully, a personal coach, whether it's a strength coach or sport coach, whatever the case may be, is trying to achieve a specific outcome. And the treatment or the training stresses that they're trying to apply uh, have been shown to actually result in the desired outcome. So, sometimes that doesn't happen because... There's plenty of coaches who are like, oh, I do this, and here's the outcome, and it's easy to say that. It's much harder to achieve that, so, yeah. What do you think, coach? Wow. What's, what's your elephant? <laughs> um... Wednesday, my dude. It is. It is. It's not an easy question. These are it, really it, good right, questions. Right, right. And that and that's the 
That's the situation. Yeah, there's no simple so, answer here. So here, here's how I think I want to approach my elephant. Um, I feel like we're we're failing on both sides of the board. Mm. Actually, I really, I really don't think that we necessarily have uh, different sides of the board, but because of the 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 politics associated with it, we have to create different sides of the board. Okay, so so I believe that we're failing athletes on both accounts. I, I really do. Yeah. So whether you're a private, um, individualized strength training, because the thing that you pointed out is like, we're, we're like churches, you know? I mean, you're like, hey, you're denominational, you're non-denominational, you're Southern Baptist, you're Baptist, you're this. I mean, we just keep, you know, you speak in tongues, you don't speak in tongues. You do this, you do that. You know, uh, <laughs> you, wear, you wear jeans to church, you don't wear jeans to church, right? Like, I mean, it's, we, we, <laughs> We start to cut into these things so much instead of seeing that, listen, here's how we need to approach this. Mm -hmm. Again, no matter how you cut it, how well laid out your program is, in school-based training, it is definitely cookie cutter. Um, and not that that's necessarily a negative thing if you own up to it mm -hmm. um, and say, hey, listen, and, and so how I would like to present the, um, wait a minute, before I present a solution, right? Because I don't like to talk about problems without bringing a solution, Yeah. right? When I was in the clinical setting, I always told my staff, listen, you, you, can, you can bitch about something. You can, you know, see a problem, but if you bring a damn problem to me, you better bring a solution to. Mm -hmm. All right, so let me address my, you know, elephants in the room because that's what you specifically asked me. Um, I think, you know, a lot of school-based training um, are bullshit, right? And here's why I feel like that. It's because when you, you, you feel as if what you do is greater than what anyone else does, then you become a tyrant. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time, high school ADs and strength and conditioning coaches want to become tyrants of their athletes and 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 when they do that what happens is they don't have to even know you or myself or anyone like us that are in the private setting and then what they say is like oh those guys don't need to do a thing hey don't go there those guys are gonna you know hurt get you hurt or hey we're in season don't waste your money, don't waste your money. Yep. you shouldn't have to pay extra for that yep. but that's really nice to say when you're already earning a paycheck yep. and also you have to remember I'm in your, your zip code, I'm also helping pay for your salary through my property taxes. Mm. Okay, so like, so, you know, or they'll say things as if, hey, I am a, a paid professional coach. Oh, okay, we get paid in Bitcoins, I guess. I guess that, that you know, the shit that we earn <laughs> is not really, it's not really. It's crypto. Yeah, it's, this shit doesn't even spin. Okay. Well, all right, I don't know how I'm going to pay my property taxes to make sure your teacher's salary and benefits get paid. So, you know, I, I think what it is is that there's too much of a division. And just like it, even in our Constitution, divided we stand, okay, or we don't stand, yeah. right? Like in United, in, we, stand. United we stand. Thank right. you for that. Mm -hmm. Good save. United we stand, right? And then if we are divided, we don't stand. 
That's that's really the key issue there. I think that, you know, and, and it's, I look at it as nomenclature starts to create that division. And so if, if my lexicon says, oh, the, you know, power training means this, okay? And your lexicon, you have it defined as something different, then, then because of that, we don't even, we can't even get together and have a conversation mm -hmm. because we're so divided in just terminology. And we may be closer than we believe, than, than we think, mm -hmm. in in concepts and principles, but yet we just we just exclude each other. Yeah. This guy, he said one wrong thing, he said one stupid thing, he said, you know, yeah. and then, and then no, nah, I'm not gonna listen to him. Yeah. He doesn't know. He's not a good coach. Yeah. How do you know that? Mm -hmm. How do you know that? Mm -hmm. You don't have a relationship, right? Yeah. So anyway, so. I think that there are a couple challenges. So here's my solution. There are a couple challenges, and I'll run through these pretty quick. I think I'm gonna try. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, we could do a podcast on this topic by itself. But sure. all right. So points. I think that the setting in the school is not set up for there to be consistent training. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the the competency and skill level. And this is not a negative or a dig toward a coach. It's just. If you if you teach a subject, you uh, teach a sport. You got a family. Like I mean, you, there's only so much time in a day. Yeah. But training, what I think that most coaches don't realize in the school setting is that uh, training evolves on almost on a daily basis. The mm -hmm. concepts of training mm -hmm. and the application methodologies, and so you know you can't learn it in a three day weekend course yep. one time a year in the summer yep. um, or you can't just learn it through YouTube um, practices and videos and so that's not always evidence-based credible you know resources mm -hmm. and so even if you watch a six or seven minute video or a three minute video that that doesn't give you that's not continuing that, that's, that's not enough to, <laughs> that's not enough man right like so yeah. You know, we're, we're out here in these trenches learning concepts all day long. And so we could be a resource. And, I, and so anyway, I think that uh, when you're talking about evaluation skills, there's no um, screening mm -hmm. and evaluation component to what they do. Yep. Um, you can say all day what you would like for athletes to represent. But what you're doing is you're looking at what the other schools or top athletes or what athletes you've had in a previous set. So really what I see is there's a general context to what coaches are doing at school, and that is phenomenal. Some is better than none. Not the general isn't, is, isn't uh, good at all. Because yep. ideally, right, what we want is in seventh and eighth grade, that's the first intro to strength and conditioning of some board and formalized training, mm -hmm. right? So I think that, that that has a huge value, mm -hmm. right? And I think... Also, what we have to understand is what private strength and conditioning coaches offer is development. Mm -hmm. So how you, you leverage that is if you are a school-based coach and you say, hey, listen, I have these five athletes that really need more development. We don't have time. Mm -hmm. You have 55 minutes. And then if you have, that's in the period, right? And then, you know, by the time it, you know, 
Uh, you get the lineup changed, all this stuff. You end up having Rest 38 minutes. to 40 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So then the only thing that you want to do is focus on behavior and you want to destroy them through that, through that second. So they're, they, you know, you kick their ass. We're going to build some mental toughness. We're going to make you strong and conditioned. Mm -hmm. And really, there's no formalized thought process to that segment. Yeah. Okay. One size fit all. We're going to kick everybody's ass and yeah. you're going to be better because of it. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, mm -hmm. okay? But from a general context, you will get what you just delivered. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, ideally, if you see athletes that are struggling from and and have these imbalances, right, which you probably can't point out a lot of times, you can just say, "Well, this kid's not that fast. This kid is fast. Everybody should be more like him or her." And so, what you have, what you should do, is say, "Well, listen." Let's let's get them with a private coach. I know these three guys. Let's start to get you over here so we can get some development. Mm -hmm. Because the the concept of strength and conditioning is to build strengths. Whatever those weak areas are or that present themselves, we have to build them up. If that's mm -hmm. footwork, if that's balance, if that's whatever. Because from a neurological standpoint, you can only develop one or two things at a time. Yeah. Right? There's going to be a primary, there's going to be a secondary, right? Like, you, you can't neurologically, you know. Can't be a broad you spectrum cannot. of different things. That you cannot. The body can't adapt to everything. No. So, that's how I would look at it. General, hey, man, there's nothing wrong with general, but on that, that's what it is. Yeah. And it's one size fit all. Hey, I'm doing what I think is best or what I see other coaches in the field doing or 5 schools do this, collegiate level schools do this. Yep. Hey, this is, because usually what happens is you'll have a strength and conditioning coach from a collegiate level come in and, and do the, the summer clinic for coaches. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Or, hey, Allen High School, they use performance co course. Look at their program, okay? That's, again, that's a very complex situation. That's not your situation. Those are yep. not your athletes. Yep. Well, we're competing against them now. We're a 5A, 6A. Still, you just two it's years different. ago, you were 4A. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and the thing you don't realize is most of those kids have private coaches. Mm -hmm. That is a fact. Yeah. So, anyway, but, but realize that there's two different things. What you deliver, if you deliver it to the best of your ability, that's awesome. And, but you do have time constraints and limitations. So it is very difficult for you. You're understaffed, you have way too many kids, and that's a ticking time bomb and it usually explodes. Mm -hmm. And so what you have to try to do is to say, hey, listen, I'm gonna get them over here. I'm gonna find some guys. Don't just, just find someone in your area because they're there. Qualify them, get to know them, build a relationship, see the you know positives and negatives, and mm -hmm. then say, hey, I want to send my kids there. Hey, you know what? No, I want to take and send my kids two cities over. Yep. And that that will work better. Yeah, that reminds me of a. There's a guy that I follow on Instagram who he posts a lot about a specific class that he does in Dallas, mm -hmm. and every single time he posts about it. He's like, this is good for this, it's good for this, it's good for this, it's good for this, it's good for everything. And I'm like, okay, if it's good for everything, then it's probably good for nothing. So, yeah. like you said, you have to be able to qualify, like, okay, what is what is this personal coach really good at? I have to know what they're good at so that 
when I see an athlete who's lacking in that area, I notice them there. Right. But if they're not lacking in this area, don't there. send them there. Right. So you got to know, like, yeah. I'm personally, I'm, I try to be relatively aware of my strengths and weaknesses as a coach as far as what areas I can improve an athlete and what areas I'm lacking. Because right. if an athlete comes to me and says, hey, I want to do this better. Hey, man, I don't have any experience with that. If you right. still want to train with me, I'll do my absolute best. But here's what I'm really good at. Right. And so if you're not aware of what those things are or if you think you're good at everything, right. then you're probably not. Yeah, because you don't have to be. That's not what someone's asking you to be. Yeah. It's like, hey, listen, that's just not my skill set. Yeah. You know, it, and, it, and that's okay because mm -hmm. you can't be good at everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think ideally what we start out in is, or what we start out is that we start out as generalists. And I think that's great. Be as broad as you can because really, again, if you're 24 and 25, you do not know what you really have an interest in. Yeah. You, you, can, you can say, I think I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and especially now, see, when I started, you know, 22 plus years ago, like we didn't have but two options. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you were in the gym or you were going to be a strength coach at a university or some kind of organization like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Those are the two options. But really, it was a it was a personal training based model and yeah. logic. Yep. You know, and so thankfully, it's it's progressed. But unthankfully or unfortunately, that, you know, now it's like, I mean, you know, you can say, I just want to teach people how to do jumping jacks and, and you can be a specialist at jumping jacks. And yep. then you can tie in some research and data and say that jumping jacks has been found to make tennis players very efficient. <laughs> what the fuck, bro? What? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that as silly and goofy as that sounds, that is exactly where we're at right now. Right? Yeah. Because we're so, we have so much robustity out here, it's right? A lot of robustity. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's go ahead and go to the next zinger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so uh, again, Coach Lou, he, 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 he dialed in. Yes. All right, so when is it the correct time? for an athlete to focus on an individual sport mm. or do you believe in multi-sport athletes? Now, that that's 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 three times the explosive TNT right there. Yeah, this this could be a long answer. Correct. Let's let's try to keep this one relatively short so we yes, can sir. get some other callers. Yeah, because we have some other callers. Got some other callers. Yeah. So, so you wanna hit this one first? Chunk it down. All right, so if I have to pick, let's say I'm a college coach, okay, and I have to pick, okay, do I pick an athlete who's only played one sport their entire high school career, or do I pick an athlete who's done multiple sports, but their, uh, their stats, let's say, are exactly the same? I'm probably going to pick the athlete who's played multiple sports because they're probably a little more resilient they're probably a little less uh, of a risk when it comes to overuse injury. They've probably been working a little more multi-planar, um, three-dimensionally. They're using different movement patterns. 
they're using different motor skills, so they're probably uh, they're probably able to move from an athletic standpoint, probably a little better. Again, it's it's an individual, you know, case by case scenario, but. Um, High school, I think, is a really good time to do as many sports as possible. With the exception of if you're not able to play multiple sports in college, and very, very few athletes are able to do that. Uh, how many professional athletes have done multiple sports? Like, very, very few, right? So, um, that's like the extreme. But anyway, freshman, sophomore, maybe even junior year, as many sports as you can play, I think it's probably gonna, in general, it's probably a good idea to do that. When it gets down to the point where you've gotta decide, okay, am I gonna play in college? What sport am I gonna play in college? I probably need to begin to like, get a little more tunnel vision and focused in on that. So maybe junior or senior year, you start to narrow down your, uh, your priorities with regards to what sports you're training, what activities you're doing that are gonna benefit that. So if you're playing a sport every season and then you're only gonna play, you know, a spring sport, then maybe you don't need to be risking potential injury playing a fall sport. So that's kind of how I would set that up personally. So. I like it, that's, that's very concise. Um, I was kinda, um, me and Coach Luke are gonna do a podcast. Mm. And so that's kind of one of the topics that we're gonna um, cover in greater depth. But, he, but here's it, what's interesting is that um, I asked him, I, you know, I, what I said to him was like, um, I said, hey man, that's a, that's a very simple question or a simple answer, I like that. And, and what I was saying, obviously through text is kind of hard to, Clarify what simple. What was his meant. answer? Uh, his answer was, I like uh, athletes to play multiple sports because they are highly adaptive. Okay. Cool. Which is which is which is. That's a good answer. I, simple, I don't think that I could have simple, formulated simple you know that precise, and that's what I was saying. And so he's like, Oh no, I can go into depth. I was like, Oh no, I I know for a fact you can. Mm -hmm. You know, and I said, and I think that we need to let's jump on a podcast, and so you can go into depth. Yeah. And I just want you to know, I wasn't saying that it was simple in the fact that like, oh, that's just like <laughs> watered down. Yeah, right? it's not basic. Yeah, that's exactly. That's not a basic. You know, like oh, you just tan all the time, right? Like that's <laughs> so basic. It's not a clue you answer. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to. <laughs> Chloe, <laughs> Chloe from from Lily. <laughs> All right, but anyway, so like, but he 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 worded that to fit the the question. He knew that like, hey, I'm just giving you the answer that because I I think that is a premise that you can formulate and unpack really really well. Yeah. And and that's how he is. Like he's he's just no bullshit and just like boom here it is mm -hmm. now i can go as deep as we want to on that but that's where it needs to start yeah. and so I, I i think that that summed up exactly what you were saying on that and yeah. so um as far as my um 
perspective on that, man, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that and I will continue to spend a lot of time to think about it. Yeah. But, you know, just to sum it up so we can get to these other callers, I feel like, hey, fuck it. It all works, you know? And what yeah. I'm saying by that is it's very, very simple and precise as I can personally get it because I typically cannot. I need to get better at summing my, <laughs> my shit. <laughs> right? Remember when you promised Paula you weren't going to curse a single time? No. Here's what the deal was. Okay. <laughs> I did. I did. And I, I told did. her I wasn't going to make that promise? Exactly. So you did that. Had, <laughs> had, I, had you constrained me, <laughs> then I would yeah. have. This podcast is listed as explicit. It doesn't bother me. So, listen. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. So here, Don't watch it. Here's the deal. I think that at any given point, it all works. And here's why. It's so individualistic. And, and if, I'm a if I'm a college coach and I see you without knowing your background and... If I have, if I see you and I don't know your background and I'm like, man, I really like that kid. I want to get to know that kid. That kid is the type of athlete that I'm at. Now I find out this kid's only played one sport. I'm not going to get pissed off. You know yeah. what? I'm going to sign her ass or his ass, whatever, right? Yeah. If I have a kid and say, oh, they play three, you know, three different sports all through years, you know, that's just a narrative. That's just a story, yeah. right? I mean, okay, great. Because here's the reality. Your ass ain't good in all three. You just playing three. Yeah. Right? You're good at one, which yeah. is the one I'm going to recruit you for. Right. And you won't even play those other two. Now, from a neurological standpoint and a development standpoint, yes, I think that is awesome. Mm -hmm. Right? And I do agree with all those points that you laid out and, and what Coach Luke said about being highly adaptive. I think we know the evidence is overwhelming for those athletes that play multiple sports. They tend to do have a more robustity in in their neurological system and their movement patterns, right? Yeah. Um, and then so, but you're opening the door to a lot of other things now. And then I think that you're closing the door on a lot of other things because mm -hmm. now in this day and time, the time you spend away from your sport doing other sports, right, is time that you could be spending working on the skill set to support your sport. That's very, very true. Okay. That's very true. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of kids who wouldn't get college scholarships if they weren't playing just one sport, playing it for their school, playing it on a club team, playing it on a travel team. Right. If they were playing multiple sports, they'd be decent at all the sports. Maybe they'd play varsity on all the sports. They get no looks no. college coaches. No. So they're just a good athlete. It's tough. All around. Yeah. It's tough because, yeah, there's kids who are athletic enough and who maybe are doing some strength and conditioning with a, a really good coach who's making sure that they're not getting overuse injuries. Correct. And that's totally fine. Right? And then there's other athletes who maybe would actually benefit them to play a few different sports to give them some time off, give them some rest, give them some opposite, let's say, skills that make them more well-rounded and make them more resilient. So right. it's just individual. On one type. Yeah, it's individualistic. And then it's about the story. Yeah. You get these stories where it's like, hey, this kid didn't play sports 
to his senior year and he was da da da, right? That's the yeah. story. Hey, yeah. this kid played all sports ever since he was three. Okay, great. It's a story. Yeah. So it's 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 primarily about that story. Um, there's there's some positives and negatives for both scenarios, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like, listen, I think you laid it out very well and said there is a time mm -hmm. frame, you know, usually that junior to senior year when you need to start to say, okay, hey, listen, here's here's one, two, three. Yeah, you gotta put this your is eggs what I more in one basket. Like, yeah, that's that. That just reminded me. A couple years back, I think I showed it to you. There was a there was a post. Somebody took a picture of a whiteboard in the locker room at Ohio State, and then it was just the coaches looking at the number of recruits that they had mm -hmm. every year that were multi-sport athletes versus football-only athletes. Yeah, and I think they recruited like maybe one or two who only played football and then like I don't know how many recruits they had 50 whatever the number was the rest of them played multiple sports like okay there you go but it's like man, yeah it's not that simple it's, because it's not now if we start to look at some of those who come from a low socioeconomic status okay that there, there are a lot of different things okay there might be the only positive environment that they need so mm -hmm. the more time they spend in sports um, you know, in less time, they still, you know, over here stealing and, and robbing someone else and selling dope, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's it, it could be just that simple, right? Yeah. Uh, and then in other scenarios, it could be, hey, they're small town, okay? And most, there's a lot of pressure for small town schools and athletes to play multiple sport. Yeah. yeah, you don't have enough kids. Have hey, to try out. Hey, listen, we don't care. We need to put you over here. Yeah. Hey, well, mom and dad and uncle and grandpa and Julie and whoever else, right? Play Julie. these sports. <laughs> <laughs> and, you Can't know, forget Julie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They played all these multiple sports, right? Yeah. And so then because of that, hey, you know what? You You're need expected. to do that. You're the 16th generation and we played all sports <laughs> growing up. And then it's like, you know what? Kiss some ass, man. Just go in over here and look. No, I'm not gonna do it. I'm, yeah. I'm focused on this. Yeah. And I think there's a there's so much different. It's it just there's a different path now. For sure. Right? Now you yeah. can do that path, but you don't have to necessarily do that. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at the evidence of saying, well, yeah, you know, uh, we got some high level. I don't know. If you are a very talented athlete. Yes, you're going to have more opportunity to do more things, mm -hmm. um, and and it doesn't necessarily su support or take away from your case if you do or don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you're yeah. right. And then one last point I will say is that if you are, but the there's always the exception. If you are an athlete and you are very underdeveloped but you have a lot of heart and a lot of drive and a lot of determination and goal oriented then you would you would be better off playing that one sport and then training really really hard to develop the skill set to make you better at that mm -hmm. that thing right so i think it's really highly um um it's a lot of variables involved. it's a lot of variables involved yeah. yeah i wish it was really simple right
But even with a simple answer, there's, there's a lot of them. Yeah, and I think that's how most things are. You know, it's like they they they're so they they're so much more complicated than what we assume. And I think logic says that it wants a, a a black and white, straightforward, simple, you know, nicely neat, bone wrapped answer. Yeah, and I, most of the time it doesn't exist. Yeah, if it's a simple question. Yes, <laughs> the answer is simple. But if it's a complex like that, then sure. Yeah, there's no uh, no Twitter, however many characters answer to these kinds of questions. For sure. All right, so Isaiah, who is a high school athlete, had a really good question. He goes, uh, what is a coach's or a, what is a coach's greatest fear when coming up and when it comes to training athletes, so what, as a coach, you know, what is one of your greatest fears for training athletes? Oh, that one's that one's tough because uh, early on, I'd say my greatest fear was: Do I actually know what I'm doing? Like it was a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, do should I? Like, do I deserve to be here? Like, am I, am I good enough to do this? Um, now at this point, I, I'm not sure I have a ton of fears when it comes to training an athlete. Um, just because I feel like I've, I've done it enough and I'm studying enough and I'm trying to ensure that I'm not doing anything outside the realm of what I know will be either effective or at least won't hurt them, mm -hmm. let's say. So early on, I think in the back of my mind it was, okay, if I'm going to do something that I know is really, really difficult, will they get hurt? So, because uh, it was kind of that, that perspective of, Hey, you want results? You gotta push them. And you gotta you gotta risk to get some reward. And so now I don't think I have to risk as much to see results, just because um, I hope at least I understand the process a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it comes down to being more patient. Just saying, hey, like we can we can get some real-time results if we're training the nervous system correctly. But when it comes to these other variables that you want to see improvement, maybe it's going to take this amount of time, maybe it'll take this amount of time. And so early on, I think in addition to risking potential injury, my fear was, uh, can I get it done in the amount of time that the research says I should be able to get it done? Or, um, can I deliver on any promise? Just because I think it was that whole imposter syndrome. So, uh, not that I don't have fears now, but I think those are kind of the, the big ones that that were more legitimate fears instead of uh, concerns, let's say. Okay. Yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah, I, I think uh, my fear today is the fear that I had 20 plus years ago, you know, or I should say um, technically day one. And, you know, am I competent enough? 
Mm -hmm. I'm always concerned about yeah. um, my competency level. Mm -hmm. And so that to me is a, is a huge motivator and, and, and a driving force for me. And so, you know, when you, when you come through those doors, you know, like, um, especially when injury is involved, training, not so much, but, you know, you know, one of the things I want to do is bring that, that clinical setting into the, the training setting to make it performance. So performance for me is being well-rounded. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I want to be competent enough. So that means that I, I can't never be satisfied with my skill set. And I don't, um, um, so that makes me a, obsess about it, mm -hmm. about my competency level. And um, so, you know, because parents ask questions, they want to, you know, really, really, here's the deal that any athlete that comes to you, adult or student athlete, is um, what they're really saying is, I'm trusting you with my dreams and my health and my performance and, uh, and, and really my trust, mm -hmm. right? So... I need your help to get me to where I say I want to go. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, so, you know, I want to, I want to be competent about the things that I say, the programs that I build, you know, the, the, the modalities and treatments and therapies that I recommend. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's, 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 what my biggest fear is not in a fear of like hey that makes me indecisive um because i'm um you know i am a, I, I am very aggressive and so i i i do risk that biscuit yeah. i risk it for the biscuit man yeah you know and so um i am aware what science time frames are but then i'm like those are averages. Fuck that shit. I want to do my own thing, right? Because yeah. this person in front of me is a blank canvas, and this person is a blank canvas. And at the end of the day, those are basic guidelines. You don't have this individual in front of you. Yep. So. Yeah. And um, so that's not always the safest parameter, but I've I've been able to achieve outcomes that blew the doors off mm -hmm. because of that. Yeah. I've made some mistakes mm -hmm. and I've learned from those things. And so I think that, you know, um, you know, I'm okay being in that situation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like give you a, a, a cool story and an example of this. It's like, so like Alabama, University of Alabama created this uh, procedure for addressing high ankle sprain. So I had a high school athlete, uh, Garrett, who had a high ankle sprain on Friday. Tua had uh, an high ankle sprain on Saturday. Tua was out 21 days. Garrett was out 13 days. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. um, the next two weeks, Tua gets a severe injury, season-ended injury. Garrett continues on through the season through playoffs and you know mm -hmm. so um and so we didn't do obviously I, I didn't do surgery because i'm not a surgery or i didn't recommend it yeah but i mean you know the swelling aspect there's a which i won't go into details of this but which we probably need to talk about pain swelling 
you know, injury modalities for the ankle specifically, that would be a good topic for us to have a discussion on at one point. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, you know, 13 days for Garrett and, tw you know, 21 days basically for, for Tua, man, that was like a huge difference. And actually, even for a surgical procedure, the reason why they developed a tightrope procedure at the University of Alabama is because they are progressive in, in, you know, in their thought process. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They want to get those athletes back on the field. They have to. Yeah. Right. And not just, okay, we don't think you're going to get injured again. Yeah. But like, no, you're back 100%. You're yeah. to go. But in that setting, that is very aggressive. Mm -hmm. That's risking it for the biscuit. You know what I'm saying? And so, again, if I say, you know, because actually a high ankle sprain is probably one of the most severe um, ankle sprains that you can have just because of the, the, the magnitude and the, the ligaments and joints that are covered mm -hmm. um, versus a low ankle sprain. And so, obviously, you know, uh, what, the, what science, the scientific evidence and data states is that, hey, you know, it's, it's four to, it's four, or three to five weeks is when mm -hmm. you're going to be at. Wow. With a boot. True. And I'm like, I don't boot them. I don't care about that swelling. Right? Anyway, that's not a topic, but you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I, yeah. But that's an example of the competency level that I'm, I'm very sensitive to and very aware of that I want to just push it, mm -hmm. you know? So, and so, you know, like, for instance, like, and, you know, having there, there's, there's a fear factor for me. Hey, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go through every procedure that I can go to to make sure that this athlete doesn't need x-rays and that, hey, they have very, there's a grapefruit sitting out here on the outside of their ankle, mm -hmm. right, in the form of swelling. And yet I'm saying, no, there isn't a fracture and no, we don't need x-rays, and yes, we're going to get them back in hopefully seven days hmm. or ten. Yeah. Right? So, um, so for... So you're not just saying that. You're doing your due diligence to yes. check those things off yes. to make sure. Like yes. But on some of those athletes, there, there's, there's some that I sleep really good at night, and then there's some, like Garrett is one, you know, because there was so much instability and it was clicking and popping, right? Which obviously means <laughs> there's very little ligamentous stability going on, right? Yeah. So I have some sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. But when I'm in front of the, the parent and the athlete, I, that's not for them to see. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and again, this is not being um, me trying to conceal or, 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 you know, I'm going through the clinical analysis of what I believe is going on. And if I have very little confidence, then, then the family has very little confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, even though in my mind, I might have some internal dialogue, which in that particular case that I, I did. Mm -hmm. And most of my lower ankle sprains, um, I've got, I've become so comp competent at it that there's very little fear factor sleepless nights associated with that. Yeah. High ankle sprains are, have a lot more degree of difficulty mm -hmm. and I tend to have in those scenarios sleepless nights and, and um, very few ACLs at this point I'm at 150 plus so there's very few ACL cases and repairs that I have sleepless nights mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm 
with lower ankle injuries, I have far more, you know, um, outcomes in that. Mm -hmm. And with high ankle sprains, I'm still working my way through my process. Yeah. You know, you know, and so the, when, so what my fear comes in again at a higher level and cause me not to sleep is not because, um, I feel like I'm going to fail at something. I want to make sure that, hey, have I done everything that I'm supposed to and capable of doing yeah. at the highest level I can to make sure I've given good advice? Yep. You know? Yeah. But where I'm, and then on the other hand, I'm pissed off at the injury factors because you're not responding <laughs> at the level that I want you to. Now, part of that might be a little ego. Yeah. And Are you I'm, like I'm yelling to, at the ankle? Oh, that. Yeah. That. Dang it. Oh yeah, I'm having a lot of dialogue. <laughs> Sometimes parents ask me a question and I'm just totally zoned out on the ass, right? Because I'm I'm in it, mm -hmm. and I'll tell them, hey, listen, save your questions. I, I mean, I I'll get it, yeah. but right now I'm, I'm, I got to be dialed in, right? Because yeah. yeah. this motherfucker is trying to punch me in the face, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm bobbing and weaving, right? Yeah. You know, because I mean, you, you see that amount of swelling and and the instability on the joint. Mm -hmm. Right, and you're like, hey, we're very borderline. You know, the simple thing to do is to put that some bitch in a boot and send their ass on the way and tell them, hey, have a good two weeks. Yeah, we'll come back and check. You know what? Pay me my copay. You know what? Hey, come back <laughs> in and check. Oh no, that shit's still popping. Two, two more weeks. Send yeah. me the boot. Pay yeah. me my copay. Yeah, that would be the simple thing to do. Yeah, or the safe thing to do. Right? Yeah, no fear there. No fear there. Hey, I can do that shit all day long. Yeah. But no reward. No, no biscuit. No. Shoot, I hear so, that. All right, so what, what keeps, else we got? Isaiah's second question is, what keeps a coach motivated throughout his or her career? Mm. Well, I don't think you'd get into it if you didn't want to see your athletes achieve. So if you're not getting any results, then you're probably not going to be in this industry very long. Like, I think the people who who aren't successful in their endeavors, as far as coaching goes, they find something else to do. Uh, like, part of that, I think, is because people just are going to stop coming to you. They're just going to stop using you as a source of information and as a tool to help their... Uh, to help achieve the things that they want. So um, it definitely helps if you're, like you said, uh, staying on the cutting edge of your competency level and pushing the envelope where you can and learning as much as you can um, and staying sharp because you're gonna get good results and um, you know, that that external reward of being able to see your athletes, you know, have a really good game, have a really good, you know, competition. Uh, you know, if they do end up going and playing at the collegiate level or or further on, whatever the case may be. Like, I love seeing my athletes get PRs and and play really well. I love that. So that helps keep you motivated. Um, I, I'd say that's the big one is 
like the reason I'm doing this is because I love interacting with people. And so the other aspect of that, the part that keeps me motivated is I get to, I get to interact with people. Like it's motivating for me to learn new things about my clients mm. and to get to know them better. I think and, that's huge. Yeah. And it's not a superficial level. Like, uh, you know, it's, it, I don't get deep with everybody right away. Like sometimes it takes a while, you know, I've had a client for, uh, he's one of the first clients that you kind of handed over to me and it, you know, it wasn't until three plus years into training twice a week where he was able to say, Hey, here's what's going on in my life right now. And, um, you know, it, it took us that long before he trusted me enough right. to where he knew like, Hey man, I'm, I'm going to listen to you. I'm not going to judge you and I'm not going to judge your situation. And I'm going to try to offer advice if I can. And if, if I can't, then I won't, but you know what I'm saying? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Or you probably do. You, uh, have, you have some ideas. Of who you talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, well, I have an idea of who I think it is. Yeah, but but I'm laughing about that. That That's so true. You know, I think that this is another one of those hidden factors that um, coaches don't really understand is that, you know, part of, you know, I think ideally... When we get into this field, we think it's all about these exercises that you have. Mm. And that's probably like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 down on the list of what you <laughs> actually do. <laughs> you get what yeah. I'm saying? See? Yes. And so, you know, the the main thing that you do is that you, you're you're a mender. And and you if you're very good at listening, mm-hmm. right, you, you have that therapist aspect. And so when you involve that element to where, hey, what's what happens in this session stays in this session, yeah. there's a lot of privacy and you hold that to in a, a very high standard, mm-hmm. your clients understand that and they, they feel like they're safe with you. Yes. And when they're safe with you, then they can become strong with you. So like, and the way you know that is because your retention ratio is high, yeah. right? Yep. Right. Most most coaches don't have the clients for three and four and five and six and seven years. Yeah. 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 That that blows yeah. my mind that yeah. clients that you that you handed over to me or that I, you know, inherited when we started back in 2012, like. I still have a lot of them. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of them. And they were with me for yeah. when I started exactly. in 05. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. And then they were referring friends, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's just, you know, people will not pass out a personal reference if they don't believe in your ass, right? Like, yeah. they will not do that. Yep. They, because that meant, which, rightly so, you, you know, you told me to go see this bastard and now he's, you know, <laughs> doing X, Y, and Z, yeah. you know, putting rocks and hot stones and shit on me, on my back when I got my head turned. <laughs> I told him one thing and he told 16 what? different people, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, that type of shit, like, man, that's, that's, you don't do that. That's sacrilegious, right? So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Ret- reten- retention. Yeah is motivating for me. Yeah, it is. Like, it is. I because it's it. a slow, steady game. Yeah. And they will become diehards for you. Yeah. And the people that they 
refer tend to be the just same like it. Right, same right. People. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that and that says a lot. That's a to me that's a healthy practice that you build, you know. And and I think that's one of the things you know, that's that's kind of something that my attorney, you know, taught me, Darren. He's like, listen, you know, uh, you have to, <laughs> you have to have a sticky back door. <laughs> no lie, this is, he's Jewish, bro. I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't you know, know if that hey, has anything to do with it, but yes, please, it has everything. Continue. It has everything Explain. to do with it. Hey, I would love, I would love bro, to understand. Bro, these Jews, you already know. They know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They understand business, logic, finance, mm. real estate. Hey, man, listen. If a Jewish person tells you something, <laughs> you better go for it, bro. Like, so this is what he told me. He he, he uh, sat me down. He's like, listen. Go on. It's like, you got to have a sticky back door. I was like... <laughs> There, <laughs> bro. I'm gonna need you to elaborate on that. Yes, please. <laughs> and and what he was saying was, it doesn't matter how many new clients you get in. Yeah. If they're running out the back door as fast as you get them in, you gotta yeah. close that back door mm -hmm. because that you're the like. So the logic is for business is the bloodline of your business. Which this is this is actually a true statement, but there's a semicolon. Uh, the sticky back door. So he said, you know, you can get the bloodline. Well, hold on, let me give you the principle. The bloodline to every business is new business. Okay, so that's the front door. Yeah. You got to have new people coming through your front door. Yep. And then he said, you know, but the semicolon to that is it doesn't matter how many new ones you're getting if they're constantly leaving. Yeah. So it's a revolving door. And it's a revolving door, right? Yeah. So there, there's so you're working twice as hard to go out and get new clients. Yeah. And so he says, listen, you, you get them in through the front door, but then you got to close that back door, right? So you think about it like a fly coming in, right? You're on fly paper, right? You get them in, they come in, they stick with you. Mm -hmm. That's called retention. Yeah. They're not leaving a lot or yeah. really quick. And so, you know, then he taught me a principle. There are three things. To, to make a healthy business, right? So obviously that's one, but he's like, hey, retention is number one. Second thing is, you know, when you have someone, you, 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 when you have someone with you, you either charge them more money, that's another way to grow your business, or you offer new services or a new form of service that they can continue to spend money with you, right? Mm -hmm. So that's increasing the value mm -hmm. of what that client is. So those are the three things, man. He's Jewish, man. So he, he was my he was my attorney, right? but he was giving me business advice. He's like, look, yeah. hey, based on what you're doing right now, you ain't going to make it. It's like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Straightforward. Just like. Yeah. And, and he was true. He yeah. was true, right? That, that reminds me of something I actually learned from the office. Oh, tell me about that. So the uh, character Ryan, he's in business school. And he's actually quizzing his boss, Michael, who never went to even college. <laughs> and he's he asks him, like, uh, what costs more to, uh, to find a new client or to retain a client? And Michael's like, oh, it costs the same. He's like, no, it actually costs 10 times more to get a new client than Absolutely. it does to retain a client. So um, 
yeah, at the end of the day, like yeah. you you've got to be good at, at keeping them around. Otherwise, what what service are you providing? Well, that was one of the things I was trying to teach Ed about. Okay, so you can get all jazzed up and excited about the the new person, right? Mm -hmm. It's like having a new girlfriend, right? You can get all excited about a new girlfriend, but to have longevity with your girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you know, takes some effort. That takes some effort. Yeah, yep. You got to go a little bit deeper into the well, man. Like you yep. got to, you know, like that that whole cupcake phase isn't there anymore, mm -hmm. right? And so, how do you again work with them for a sustainable amount of time? And so that takes getting to know them more. And more trust, you know, helping them hit PRs and goals, and you know, and 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 so, and and one of the things that you people don't realize is that that is it that part of the relationship once it transitions. At first, you're front loading, right, mm -hmm. and and then after it goes, the longer it goes on, they start adding to your life because they start to get to know you now. Yeah. Right. They still know your tendencies. They start to know what you know your likes and dislikes. They can read your moods. All these things, right? You're hanging out outside of work, all these little things, and then they can start to say, hey, Kevin, you know what? This is what I think that you can benefit. I'm gonna put you in touch with someone else. Or if you're having a bad day, you might be more open to say, and, and this is a tricky you know, situation, but you know, they might be able to say, hey, Kevin, you know what, man? Here's some advice. Do what you want with it or whatever. Mm -hmm. it, it becomes a very healthy, um, relationship yeah you know? and I, I think people outside of this um, dynamic don't understand you know sometimes the, the depth of it yeah um, of what it can be you know so yeah so it's pretty cool awesome yeah. I think we got one more caller on the line one more caller Pass. We, we got time for one more question maybe maybe she's, maybe she's, two okay we'll, we'll keep them short okay I, I know she she probably has got a lot to say well she has three questions but i'll let i'll give you i'll give you i'll i'll read them out and you pick which one you want to do you know what ask them all let's yeah we'll, roll it roll it all right so what is a major difference in your coaching style versus the coaches that you, that coached you, or that you were used to being coached by. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll just cover that one real quick. Uh, well, a lot of, I think the good things about how I coach, I learned from my previous coaches. Um, like you said, um, holding on to what's good in our profession and then progressing what's lacking. Like a lot of, I think that's that I have that makes me a good coach. I think I learned from my coaches, my high school and college coaches. Um, I think one of the things that I do differently than some of, some of the coaches I had is I try to also, like you said, try to be as competent as possible. Mm -hmm. Try to learn as much as I can. Try to progress things as much as I can. Um, be aggressive where I know I'm capable and mm -hmm. then not try to assume I know everything in areas right. that I'm, I'm not able to do that. And so I think I've had coaches who were a little more um, sure of themselves than they should have been. Mm -hmm. And then uh, other coaches who weren't as active 
when it comes to learning as much as they could. So I, I think that's probably the biggest difference is I try as much as I can to stay uh, up to date. Yes, stay in my lane with what I know really well, but then also, you know, push the boundaries of that lane. For sure, definitely. Very cool. All right, so our second question. I'm gonna go to the third one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you on. <laughs> I'm gonna leave you on the zinger because it's a good one. Okay. All right. So number three. What is, what is one way that you help your athletes to overcome, um, or you assist them to for for overcoming like mental hurdles? Mm. So. A lot of my clients are endurance athletes mm -hmm. and success in endurance athletics and endurance sports is very, very, very dependent on how mentally tough you are. So Boy, that's no lie. Like you can't you can't fake being mentally strong in a marathon or in an Ironman. Like Yeah, you'll just quit. Yeah. So uh, with a lot of my clients who have some, some, you know, hangups there, it's, you alright? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's reminding them what they're capable of. Okay. And sometimes I have to do that often. Just say, hey, like, yeah, it's gonna be tough. Training's already tough. Right. It's not gonna be anything different. So, oh, well, I, I'm not gonna be able to do it. I'm not gonna be able to finish. I'm not gonna be able to hit my goal time. Okay, first, yeah, you're right, if that's the way you're thinking. Right, right. Like, so you can think that way, and like, why even, why even bother starting? Or look at what you're doing. Look at what you're capable yeah. of. Look at how much progress we've made. So I think that's a huge one, too, is helping them to see how much progress they've made. Yeah. Because that says, hey, listen, you can rely on the preparation that you've done. Mm -hmm. so. For sure. And then one thing that I've used previously, I don't know how effective this is, but I'll say, like, do, do you think that I'm the kind of person who would uh, take your money just because I want your money? Or do you think that I'm actually invested in, in helping you achieve this? Like, am I the kind of person who would just tell you whatever you want to hear just so that you continue to train with me? So you take the emotion out of it at that point because they're trying to give you a little bit of emotion. Sometimes. Yeah. Like I, for some people they're like, oh, okay. Cause I'll just straight up say like, I'm not going to waste my time on people that I don't think are going to be able to achieve this. Like you can go to somebody else and pay them to lie to you. So if I don't think you can do it, I'll tell you that. But if I think you can do it, then I'm going to, you know, whatever percentage that I have to be involved in this, it's not 50% because you as the athlete have to put in more than that. But the percentage that I have to do, I'm going to give 100% of that. And um, I think letting the client know, like, hey, I'm 100% invested in this can be a useful tool to help them understand, like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, like, I'm, here's where I'm having hangups. Maybe, maybe it's an issue with me. Maybe I don't trust the the coach enough like no hey like you can trust me 
And then I'm not, if, yeah. if that's the issue, then it's, oh, okay, all right, then. And then the other thing is sometimes it's an issue with, hey, I'm not progressing as fast as I want. So I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing progress. I'm not feeling better. So you have to reframe what type of progress they they actually have for sure right yeah yeah but yeah. even then it's like hey but look how much progress we've made mm -hmm. here's the time frame that we've had is it realistic to think that you're going to be 100 percent better in this amount of time no so let's step back try to look at things as objectively as possible mm -hmm. um and that's really tough to do especially when you're in pain but uh so yeah, that's essentially how I try to work with uh, mental hangups. That's very good. Before we get to this third question, um, we have another college athlete with a call in, and I'm gonna give you the question, and then I'm gonna visit, I'm gonna take a short break to launch pad, our sponsor for tonight, which okay. is 1835. Yes. And yeah. um, so couldn't have done it without. Couldn't have done it without. So Peyton asked oh. some very good questions, but I'm just giving you one because uh, yes, exactly. Uh, goes. What was the moment you knew you wanted to start coaching? Oh man. Oh, that's a good one. The moment I knew, I was probably. <laughs> I was probably in high school. Uh, I knew relatively early that I wanted to uh, work with athletes in some capacity. I didn't know, <laughs> I think you gave me a little extra there. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know exactly in what capacity. That's a little watered down. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. um, I thought I was gonna be a distance running coach. I thought I was gonna be a college cross country track coach. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that I was in Oh, there you go. Yeah, like a bartender up in here. Um, high school, I knew I was going to be working with athletes. Mm. Halfway through college, I knew I was going to be working with endurance athletes for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then in grad school, I knew this was what I was going to be doing. That's awesome. Yeah. What 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 was the alternative? The alternative? Because I, I, I can't see um, Coach Kevin as anything else. But I mean, I, I it, it's what what was there anything else? Teaching. Teaching. Yeah. Was that Becky's influence? Probably. <laughs> yeah. And my dad also was like, I can see you as a college professor. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Now, I, I, it's that, not off the to, table. To me, that that still is the same. So I don't I don't see that as reaching yeah. as something different. So yeah, I can totally see you as, you know, Doctor Hey, get Dr. Kuhn in here. <laughs> Take Dr. Kuhn's class. <laughs> hey, have you been with Dr. Kuhn? Go see Dr. Kuhn. <laughs> go see Dr. Go see Ambrose. Go see Dr. Kuhn. <laughs> I got a meeting with Dr. Kuhn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that. that or was, you could call it 
come to Dr. Coon's treehouse. <laughs> I don't have a treehouse. But you see the significance of that though? No. Like, <laughs> when's the last time you had wolf brain chili? Uh, it's, I don't think I've ever had it. My uncle worked Get for, a rope. for Hormel, so I think that would have been inappropriate. No, seriously. Seriously, it's totally not inappropriate. Okay. It's, it's actually inappropriate. It inappropriate. Would, it's, it's totally Totes inappropriate. Yeah, it's totally not inappropriate. Here's why. Woodbrand Chili, I love their commercial. They're okay. like, they got some when, commercials. When's the last time you had Woodbrand Chili? They're like, I don't know. Well, that's too long. You know what? Get a rope. Right? They were like, they're going to hang you. Because there were cowboys, yeah, set out on a, like on a trail, mm -hmm. and it was like, hey, you did something that was non-cowboy standard. Mm -hmm. We're gonna hang your ass. Just wow. get a rope, right? Damn. Right. So then you move Teddy. that forward to hanging coons, and then go see the coon in the treehouse. And <laughs> that went way over my head. Okay. I'm glad you took the time to explain that. To not only we're, me, we're, I'm sure there's other people who needed to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we're about at the end, so it's it's okay to say offensive things it's at the end. To a close. Technically it's not offensive at all. Because you you are a coon. I am. Exactly. Alright, so one hundred percent one hundred percent. Third and final question. I've never been anything else. Word. I don't doubt that. Alright, so Cass, I mean, with these delightful, these deliciously complicated <laughs> questions. She closes us out. She brings us to the crescendo. Okay. All right. So why is there a double standard for women coaches? Your ass better not skip this. Mm. Why is there a double standard for women coaches versus men? How so? Whoa, 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 whoa. Please whoa, explain. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's more. Yeah. And she gives some context. Yes. When coaches, when when women coaches, it always with women coaches, it always seems to be that they're young and fit, while male coaches can be overweight, elderly, <laughs> etc., and still be accepted by the coaching community. Mm. So, woo, there, so there's there's a lot of there. If you're a female coach, you got to be hot, and if you're a male coach, you can be a slut. Well, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. You can be a hot or not. Why is that double standard? I, but part of me. Wait, wait, wait. Is there some legitimacy right there? Like, at least, at least from a surface level, I can understand that because I've seen that. So what you're saying is the old. Like, I've been to coaching right? conferences, <laughs> so I've seen it. Okay. So, yeah. so what you're saying is that the overweight elderly coach will hire. The young, fit, young female coach. Maybe not always, but I've, I've seen that too. Um, why is that double standard there? Uh, well, this is a, the legitimate. This is a, a it, very it, complex issue that. Hey, I don't you have, have you want to. I don't have all the information to answer that. Okay. I don't have all the data. Okay. How important is the data to answer a question, coach? It's very. It's dope, is what it is. <laughs> if you aren't watching the YouTube version of this, then uh, forgive us. 
Coach Ambrose is wearing a t-shirt that says data. Dope. So, being data-driven, uh, it's, it's hard to answer this question. However, I can, I can appreciate the question because, okay. unfortunately, in the industry, there is, there is a bit of a double standard. When it comes to strength coaches, yes. you can be older and overweight, and as long as you yell like a strength coach, people are going to respect whoa, you. Whoa, 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 bro. You just, okay. Stereotypes. We're okay, going okay, stereotypical. Okay, right listen, now. listen, listen. You, you just, you just opened another door, though. I, I should. Well, okay, so if, if if you look at college football, right? Now, college football strength and conditioning coaches, mm -hmm. right now, these motherfuckers are out of control. <laughs> okay, so so what you based on what you just said, you're 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 really reducing, right, the window to a strength and conditioning college. Football coach. Yeah, I, that's true. These motherfuckers dancing on TV and twerking and shit and yep. headbutting people and shit like that. And you remember that were, dude who? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, the curly yeah, 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 yeah. The dude who uh, is he the Browns strength coach? Who's like? I yeah, mean, he, yeah. I don't think he's ever lifted a weight. Right. But he and he's talking about how uh, some one of the athletes was like, "Hey, coach, I got a question about stretching," and he's like. Stretching? You think exactly. they were, you think they did some stretching before they stormed Normandy? <laughs> uh, a, those guys weighed like 135 pounds. Yeah, they most of them were 17. Yeah, and they were not high level athletes. No, and courageous yeah, strategy for sure, for sure. But but athletes? No, different thing, different right. thing. So. This is a really tough one. When we read this earlier, I'm going to be honest with y'all. When we read this earlier, I said I was going to pass on it. He did. That's why I said. It's heated. I said, do not skip. It's heated. Yeah. It's a now, heated now, issue. Now, now, Kevin is not I'm not, trying to be, I'm not trying to be PC here. No, I'm he's just, not. Not. I'm just trying to say. It, it is It is a very tricky. You can't answer yeah, it. it. It's very tricky. In but but, but here, here's the deal, though. Let, let's. Here, here what, is, what do you have to say, Coach? Oh, nice deflect. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'd love to hear answer this question? Who? Cass herself. Oh, that would be... You know what? We will have to set that up. Because you know she will. Right? You know she will. Yeah. Well, here, here's one of the things. When you talk about budgets, mm. okay? Okay, so one thing that that you can look at is... You won't have, a, most of the time, at a, at a lower level collegiate, I, I wouldn't even say lower level. Let's just say at the collegiate level, most of the time, if you are um, a non-established, established, credible coach, whether male and or female, mm -hmm. right? Because if you just recently finished competing, you're going to be pretty fit, yep. whether male or female. Yep. Okay. So that's sure. there. Now. And in, in, in what she said, specifically talking about the female. Okay, that's a that's a separate situation. So the female young fit coach, I could pay her $28,995, right? And and I can have her, you know, and and say, hey, I'll offer you a master's program mm -hmm. plus 
you know, maybe give you a lunch pass and then pay you 29 grand a year to coach. Well, yeah, she's going to be the one that raised her hand and signed for the job. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's that. Secondly, okay. Now let's talk about optics. Not now we're not excluding whether she's qualified, non-qualified. We're just talking about one specific data point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dope. Right? Just, just the optics. If she is a young, fit, recently, maybe still, most likely highly skilled training female athlete coach, mm -hmm. she comes and sit down in your living room to recruit you, what are you going to feel like? As a female athlete looking for other female role models. I'm going to sign with you. Yeah, I would. Versus if I get a butch, you know, out of shape, elderly, older, not, why you, <laughs> don't, don't do that. You put me out here, so I'll, I'm just going to go ahead and say, female coach, which one would you probably sign with? Probably the one who looks more the part. Okay, so that's that. With, with, with regards with, to. Just one, just one perspective. Yes. That's, okay. Yep. You look like you, you just got finished playing. That's probably well, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of across the board. But yeah. we're talking about specifically track and field because she's a track and field and cross country athlete. Yep, that's who I would go with. Okay. Yep. So, so you know, if I am the uh, overweight elderly coach who hired her, oh, obese was that in there? Too? <laughs> no, no, just overweight. Overweight. Okay. Yeah, overweight elderly. Coach. Okay. Right. Um, yes, I will say theoretically there probably is a double standard. Um, probably because of a couple things. One, um, so so budget cuts and and that that's one dynamic, uh -huh. right? And again, I'm not saying for and against on anything, but this just just laying out the thoughts. And then the other thing is, um, as you get older for a male, you're like, hey, screw it, man, whatever, right? And typically a female probably wouldn't say that until, you know, she gets up into, you know, 45, 46, 47, 48. Mm -hmm. And then she may or may not be into that, you know, on the circuit, you know, for the most part. Now. The other thing that we got to say, too, is that, you know, coaching from a recruiting standpoint and being out on the road and, you know, all that, that's a young man's game, right? Or a young woman's game. Yeah. Right? So, you Younger know. is definitely. Right. Right. So, you don't have a mortgage. You don't have, you know, car payments. You know, your dad. And you're not your paying your female. kids' tuition. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, you don't have 2.3 kids and a dog that you yeah. got to board and you know, yeah. all these different things like that. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you, your dad might still be paying your car insurance at that point if you're a young, fit coach. And so there, there's all kind of, you know, little scenarios. But I think, you know, if we're talking about strictly budgets, you know, from a D1 to a lower level co collegiate level, and if you're at a high level college level, Right. The other thing too is I can get you for a cheaper rate yeah. because you don't have a name. You yeah. don't have an experience. experience isn't there. Right. Yeah. Now, if you are an overweight elderly coach, right, but yeah. then your competency level 
is kind of you know in, in, in your your body of work yeah uh not your physical, physical fit, body right yeah but your body of work of training <laughs> athletes and development prodigies yeah are sustainable and recordable and validated you might get a few passes so you can say yeah i'm plump but you know what these athletes perform well so you know, there, there's, yeah, it's, it's, it's complex. And again, it's complex. I'm not saying for or against or anything like that, but yeah. yes, that is a noticeable or observable point. Yeah. And um, and then the other thing, right? Um, you know, attractive people tend to get hired more than non-attractive people. That's true. Right. So you, you may say that this this yeah. elderly overweight guy. He may have been at that university for 10 years. He may or have been he may have, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah and he may, <laughs> <laughs> he may have just let himself go as soon as he got yeah. the job. And then the other thing that we're not leveraging is that, you know, this guy might be linked in with relationship connections and yeah. different things like that. So, yeah. you know, former you, athlete, yeah, you know, like you have yeah. more opportunity yeah. the longer you have been in your career. And so, you know, yeah. so I'm not saying that the double standard doesn't exist because there is definitely a double standard. Yeah. Um, the reasons why they're very, very uh, monumentous, right? Like we yeah. can, we can, we can list out a couple of them. Yeah. As far as if they are, uh, is you know, a stance or this right, wrong, good, or bad, and we probably want to skip that. I would agree. Okay. And on that note, thank you all for tuning in to the Athlete Factors Thanksgiving special. Boom. Join us next time. Maybe for a Christmas special. Maybe for a New Year's special. I don't know. Maybe next year for another Thanksgiving special. This guy. Coach Kevin. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Coach Coon, <laughs> Professor Coon. One yeah. day, maybe one day, Dr. Coon. Mm. We'll see. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Only time hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. When I say maybe, I mean definitely. <laughs> that's awesome. I like that, but that's not where I was going because it's Wednesday, my dude. Mm -hmm. What's Becky's last name? She was still she under is the Dr. Coon. Coon. She's still under the Coon? She, well, you can't, she you can't, gave me to it. Uh, she did. Yep. You let your mom beat you too. You well, she's not shit. done yet, but she's oh, basically no, no, no. there. Bro, she's, she's, she's there. Gonna be she's there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Sorry to you, mom. So, yes, Becky. And, you know, <laughs> should I, should I not? Don't do it. Okay. Now's not a good time. Okay. Hugs, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> don't think about it. Just <laughs> do it. I'm telling you, don't think about it. Oh, yes. 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 Bring it up high, Becky. All right. So, um, who, once you do become, you know, PhD, mm -hmm. when you say, hey, Dr. Coon, who, who, does Becky respond yes? Or do you respond yes? How do y'all address that? I think we'll, we'll both respond. No, I think y'all need a distinct, y'all need a differentiation. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I mean, she'll definitely have seniority, so... Because she's not there first. Because she's not young, fit, and hot. What are you trying to say about my mom? I mean, you, Becky, you don't Be think she's hot? No. What I was about to say, <laughs> Becky has some sex appeal. I was just talking about this whole thing right here, Kevin. You asked. I hope 
that my battery's already dead and that it stopped recording. It probably won't be. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. I was going off of this. I hear ya. Okay. I hear ya. We can talk uh, about Becky offline. We probably won't. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Becky. We're not. She'll, she'll, but she'll you do have some hot. She's not going to listen to it, so. It's okay. Alrighty. Even if she. And. Done. Tune in like, next time. Scene. Scene. <laughs> Cut. Thank you all for watching and listening. Tune in to our episode next week. Deuces. By the way, for the record, we did not get to, we had like three other athletes. We did not even get to all the questions, but this was way more than what he wanted. Christmas and New Year's Ooh, special. Nice. See you then.